Yes. Hail to the King. I was there with the other disciples that day that the palm branches waved and our garments paved His way to Jerusalem through the gates and we thought to a throne. I wish you could have seen the crowd that day. Everyone was convinced. It was the original March Madness. And all of us had our brackets filled. Rome would lose. Jesus would win. But the fans of March Madness can be fickle. There were many times that they actually would have made him king. In Galilee once, they had tried to make him king when they had seen his miraculous power to feed so many, to heal so tirelessly, to gather the loyalties of all the people. But Galilee wasn't the right place and then wasn't the right time. His Messiah power hadn't peaked yet. But now it was. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Opposition in Jerusalem had sworn not only to oppose him, but to kill him. Jesus followed that throng into the city. If Judas Maccabees had been leading that group, I know what would have happened. But Jesus' name was not Judas. Jesus didn't seize power. He cleansed the temple. He didn't raise His hands in triumph. He extended them still in service and teaching. This was His time. His time to seize His crown and all He could talk about was a cross. Well, Jesus, He was too, too slow for me to, to claim His kingdom. And the authorities in Jerusalem were too cowardly to press the point in the public eye, in the crowd, in the light of day. Someone had to do something. Someone had to do something. And do it quickly. Weren't those Jesus' words to me? What you do, do quickly. My feet were still wet from the washing as I went to betray Him. It should have been our time. It should have been Jesus' time, the time that He would establish His kingdom on earth. It was our turn to reign. And I had already well positioned myself. I was the only one of the disciples, if you'll dare to remember, that actually had an office amongst us. I was a treasurer. You can see by the picture, Da Vinci wisely had me 
holding the money. The money box. I went out to betray him that night, but no one suspected it. I was pretty smooth. I sold my facade well. My name is Judas Iscariot. Yes, you hear the hiss of a snake today. In the very name, Judas Iscariot. It's a name of scandal. The name of a betrayer. It's not the name you chose for your sons. But my name was not always such a name. Judas was a proud name, a patriotic name. Judas Maccabees was one of our greatest patriot heroes. He died for the cause of the Jewish nation. Many young boys, when I was growing up, took the name Judas. As many of yours took the name Thomas from Jefferson and George from Washington. Judas. It was a good name. Two of those who Jesus chose to be His disciples had that name. That's right, I wasn't the only Judas. There was another. Judas, not Iscariot. After I ruined the name, he simply wanted to be known as Thaddeus. Judas was a good name. Full of potential. Iscariot is not really a name so much as an attribute, ish, man in Hebrew, Kerioth, a town in Judea. Judah, the faithful ones to the south, the ones who had a right to look down with disdain upon the compromisers of the northern kingdom. All the other disciples, they were from Galilee. But I was an outsider. I alone came from Judah. I was proud of it. Judah. Judas, the man from Kerioth. Judas, it wasn't just a good name. Remember, I was no less chosen by Jesus. Why don't you name your sons Judas? Would it be a careless and cruel prophecy to pick such a name? Prophecy. That's right, I, I was chosen by Jesus. In that mystery of God's sovereignty and our free will. 
Perhaps it's no more focused a puzzle than it is in my own life. Was I a willing participant? Am I responsible for my own choices? Or was this somehow laid out in advance by prophecy? Was I the slave of Satan? Or the pawn of prophecy? Or a betrayer acting out the will of his own heart? The answer is yes. All those things, all at once, but for whatever influences Satan or, or God and Jesus were on me, they don't leave me irresponsible for the person I became. Nor do they make you unresponsible for the person that you become. I became the one who betrayed him. The one? <laughs> the one who betrayed him. Well, you see why Matthew was never a treasurer. He couldn't count. The one. Peter denied him with his own words. John denied him with his silence even though he was there at the trial. All of us denied him with our absence. The one who betrayed him. Do you betray him? Do you? No one suspected. I was the trusted treasure. Even that night when Jesus sent me out on my betraying errand, no one else seemed to understand. They were still thinking it might have been them. They at least had the honesty to look in their own souls and be aware of their own mixed motives. They really are in all of us as disciples. If we're honest with ourselves this morning, how different are you than I? Are you out of touch with the war in your own soul between darkness and light? Between the habits that would make you a disciple faithful to the Lord and those that draw you away? No one suspected me. Jesus had just washed my feet. What you must do, do quickly, he said, and I left. And John says that everyone else suspected that I was leaving with the money to do what apparently I quite often did. I took care of the poor. I handled the business. I was one that everyone trusted to take care of things. It seems that no one suspected the one who was about his duties that night. I was one of hidden hypocrisy. I was ashamed of my mixed motives. I hid them. I hid them away where no one would suspect. I kept up the facade. 
I hid myself up until the last. Betraying Him with the kiss of a friend. Friend, do you betray me with a kiss? Suppose I got sloppy in my duplicity as things went on. There were times when it showed through. Something was developing in the others that became greatness and somehow spoiled in me. Well, as you've looked at the lives of these other disciples, I hope they've made you wonder. I hope they've made you wonder what God could also do in your life. But as you look at me and mine, I pray you hear the warning that's there. The first of tragedies was the disciple that I could have been, but never became. The second was the tragic development of what actually did come forth in my life. There's an there's a interesting clue to what triggered it all. Mark is the only one that specifically points to that moment that I turned to betray when intention, scheming, turned to acting out. It was in Mark chapter 14. Do you remember the story of when I pulled the trigger on my betrayal? What pushed that button? What caused that reaction? Mark writes, Now the feast of the Passover and unleavened bread was two days off, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize Jesus by stealth and kill Him. Now they were saying, Not during the festival, lest there be a riot of the people. And while He was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of costly perfume of pure nard and she broke the vial and poured it over his head but some were indignant remarking to one another for what purpose has this perfume been wasted for this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii a denarii was a day's wage 300 denarii a year's salary this was costly perfume for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor, and they were scolding her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. She's done a beautiful thing. For the poor you always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do them good. But you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the Gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken in her memory. And Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, 
went off to the chief priests in order to betray them. In order to betray, betray Him to them. Let her alone. Your disciples like me. You said yes to Jesus and you follow Him. Can you bear His rebuke? Do you respond to His correction or like me, do you bristle? I had secretly chosen my own way and betrayed His so many times that when it came to this moment, my path was already chosen. The momentum was already headed in the same direction. Let her alone, she said. The other Gospels say that it wasn't just the disciples that were discussing this. It was me that was leading the conversation. Those were my words. 300 denarii. Wasted. John looks back on the situation and says, it wasn't because of the concern for the poor that, that, that I said that. Oh, that was smooth. I could cover my tracks pretty well. I feigned concern for the poor when I was really just trying to line my own pockets. John says that I, I would often pilfer what was put into the money box for myself. It wasn't the treachery of a moment. It was a treacherous pattern that was ongoing. How many messages? Messages from Jesus Himself had I not applied. How, I, how often had I hid myself from authentic community with my deceptions and my lies and my facade? How many times had I called Him Master but refused His control? I could have drank deep from the well of life. And I settled for the sips of my own cup of what's in it for me. Be warned. If your pattern is mine, you too may not finish well. Pruning is a part of the process of becoming a disciple. Jesus Himself tells you that as He told me that. You are the branches. He is the vine. And who is the pruner? His Father. What is His will for you but your sanctification? Who do you cooperate with when... When you submit to that sanctification, you cooperate with the Spirit Himself. Who do you resist when you reject it? Pruning. It's a part of every season of growth in a disciple's life. A word of correction. A dawning awareness. A conviction of the Holy Spirit that, that our ways are, are, are diverging from Christ's ways. 
What do you do when you sense that distance? Do you dismiss it? Do you disguise it? Are you man enough and woman enough to admit it? He told me you could not serve God and mammon. But I stole from His offerings. He talked of His kingdom as a pearl of great price for which one goes and sells all that he has that he might possess that pearl. But I never sold out. I was always committed to my own agendas. You know, neglecting repentance has, has a momentum all of its own. Every time He calls and, and we turn away, there's a shift not only of loyalty, but a shift of trust. Do you realize that we choose? We choose to hide instead of to confess. I chose to rebel instead of to repent. I chose to walk in darkness and isolated deception rather than walking in a fellowship of light with God. With my fellow disciples that trusted me to walk with them. See, repentance for a disciple is not something that happens rarely. It's the pruning that happens routinely. And you are clean, he said. Cleaned. That, that, that's a pruner's word for the job being done. The pruning being complete. The, the life that was sucking away the life of the vine from the branch that was robbing it of fruit has been cut off and cut away. You've forsaken those things that are compromised. You are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Do you let Him so often speak His Word to you that repentance is routine rather than rare? Is it the pattern Rather than the exception. Every Sunday you come here for communion. As you walk this aisle, I pray that you're confessing. Every Sunday, it's, it's, a, it's a rhythm. Repentance is not just a rare occasion. It's a lifestyle for a growing disciple. In so many ways, my path was already chosen when Satan jumped on the train. I, I was eventually sorry. I, I saw that things were not turning out as I had planned. The Scriptures say that I was filled with remorse and regret. Jesus didn't use His power to conquer Love suffers and dies before it coerces. 
But I'm here to tell you that remorse is not repentance. It's just regret. Just regret. Repentance is not only turning from your sin, it's turning to God. It's turning from death and turning to life. The difference between me and Peter? Simon, Simon. I've prayed for you that when you turn again, you would strengthen your brothers. Me, I was too proud to turn to anyone. In isolated despair, I found a ledge and I leaped. I hung there as my life passed from me. I fell from that branch. I didn't know what to trust. The Scriptures say that my fall caused my insides to break out and burst forth. But for me, it was the end. It was relief. From the grief and the guilt that I could not escape. Because I would not repent. It takes humility to do that. Humility to admit that, yeah, there's some still some things in our lives that, that aren't right, that need change, that are just plain wrong. It takes courage. Courage to be willing to change a pattern that you're familiar with. Courage to change and courage to trust Jesus to be the author of a new way of living. And humility and courage combined to find the persistence that's the way a disciple follows. To heed the Holy Spirit even more so than the opinions of, the, of men or the facades of reputation or the refuge of self-righteousness. But folks, my, my life was not only a tragedy because I did not repent. My life is a double tragedy. Because now I cannot repent. I've heard the whispers of a legend that sound like the Jesus that I never quite understood. The Jesus who died for me, not just because of me. It's told that Jesus was not quick to enter into His glory in heaven. He resisted going through the gates that opened only joy in its fullness to Him. 
the hosts of heaven, one after another, pleaded with him, come in, enjoy the celebration. The party's for you. But he responded with four words that haunt me. I wait for Judas. He waits as he waited for me then. As forgiveness awaits each of us. As mercy is promised to all of us. He waits. What do we do? Do we have the courage and the humility to repent? Or do we just cover up and move on? I pray that my tragedy won't be yours because, folks, you can still repent. Why not? My life is proof that you can't mock God forever. It doesn't make sense to try to manipulate a sovereign Lord. We might as well wake up and stop, stop deceiving ourselves and deceiving others. Even my last desperate act of control, taking my own life, only fulfilled prophecy. The prophet had foretold that his betrayer would pour himself out in a field of blood. The first chapter of Acts says that that field of blood was in Jerusalem to that day, called a field of blood. Because the priests would not accept blood money. (laughs) Oh, what self-deception. They kill the King of glory, but they so guard their own self-righteousness or the appearance of it that they won't accept the 30 coins of silver that I tossed back into the temple. No, the silver wasn't worthy of them. So they bought a potter's field. Designated it a place of burial for those who had no one. It's a scary thing to open yourself up to others. It's a daunting thing to try to live honest before God. But this is the path that He calls us to. Why not repent? Why not work with God instead of against Him? Why not embrace the pruning instead of denying it? Why not be quick to turn to the Holy Spirit when He convicts? Because even His cut brings life greater fruitfulness. I cannot repent. But you still can. Will you? Will you make it your habit? 
Will you become one that's humble enough to be proud only of the fact that the Holy Spirit can still drive you to your knees? To have no reputation before men, but that you are responsive to that Spirit wherever He leads, to whatever He calls. To deny yourself as I couldn't. And follow Him wholeheartedly as your Lord. But please remember this. That that for all the good and the mixture of a man I was. For eternity I will only be remembered. As I am everywhere I'm mentioned in Scripture. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. An unfair sentence? Beware, my fellow disciples. For all eternity, you will be known by how you respond to Him. It's a defining moment that will come again and again and again to you. Is your habit to follow or to forsake? Are you following? Are you faking it like I did? Friend, do you betray me with a kiss? Oh God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. And I pray the mistakes I made, they will not repeat. I pray the destiny I chose, they would avoid. And I pray the disciple I never became, they would become. To the Lord to whom I never returned, I ask you to face him now. Would you turn to him or would you turn away? If this altar is a place that you can meet him, Begin a lifestyle of repentance right now. Twelve feet of altar 
for a crowd of followers this large. So tragically inadequate. Come to Christ. As I did not.